0: Welcome to my podcast, Celeste and her best. Dexter Guff is smarter than you, the self It's this sound series. Join me. Welcome to Road Trip Radio Broadcasting. Hey, everybody. It's Sandwich Chocolate. It's
1: an exploration of the human condition. Today on This Is That... Kelly & Kelly is one of the best-known Canadian creative content studios you've probably never heard of. Specializing in comedy, its Vancouver-based team has worked behind the scenes on podcasts and other projects with names like Celeste Barber, Anna Faris, and Rain Wilson, in addition to the New York Times, CBC, and Al Jazeera. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, we catch up with studio co-founder and creative director, Chris. Kelly to talk about his creative journey, predictions on where podcasting is headed, and what's in his current podcast diet.
0: Uh, my name is Chris Kelly, and uh, I am the co-founder of Kelly and Kelly. Uh I don't even know what we're calling ourselves these days, but we are Kelly and Kelly at the very least. Are we a creative studio? Are we a production company? I don't know. Those, those terms are very confusing to me sometimes, but we are a company based in Vancouver that primarily makes podcasts and, uh, and TV.
1: So the other Kelly in this equation is obviously Pat Kelly,
0: no yeah. relation. No relation.
1: <laughs> but yeah. t- tell me how Kelly and Kelly came to fruition.
0: Well, I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a long story, and it, it kind of hooks into my own career path with podcasting, but the kind of the, the shorter version of it is how Pat and I met. So Pat and I, no relation, as, as, as we said, but we met at the CBC. I was working at the CBC for about five or six years, and Pat and his comedy partner, Peter Oldring, had kind of produced this pilot for CBC Radio called This Is That, and it really needed a producer. CBC loved it. Um, they thought it was very funny, but they needed a producer who knew comedy, who knew editing, who could basically be the, the third partner in, in, the, in the business of the show. And my boss at the time, uh, Steve Pratt, uh, walked him past my desk and Pete too. And that's where we met. And Pat and I just hit it off instantly and started making the show that summer. That would be 2010. Um, and that was the the birth of, of CBC's uh, This Is That, and we produced it all that summer. And then the show ran for nine seasons on CBC radio, and it had a podcast and all that sort of stuff. And then we were kind of just wanting to branch out and, and leave the CBC and kind of do our own thing and, you know, didn't really want to be waiting around every year for the pickup and stuff like that, and wanted to produce more shows, more than just the one show. So we broke off uh, with Steve, Steve Pratt from CBC. We were all kind of working under the umbrella of CBC Music at the time. And we we broke off and started a company called Pacific Content. And uh, we did that for a couple of years, and that really moved into the branded space. All the while, Pat and I were producing This Is That. And we parted ways in 2014, so Steve could continue to make branded content and we could go on and continue to make original kind of entertainment uh, properties and content. And around that time, we started producing videos for This Is That. And that was like a really exciting thing for us. I've always loved TV. and I've always loved film and stuff. And, and it was a mission of mine to start creating video properties for This Is That and starting doing some videos. And they took off instantly. We did this one a little short sketch called Artisanal Firewood, which I think is still the most viewed, or at least one of our videos at that time, is the most viewed CBC YouTube video of all time. I I think some of our other this is that videos have trumped that one, but that was the one that kind of started it all. And um, yeah, so that kind of got our foot in the door on the video and TV side of things. And yeah, and then Pat and I, around 2014, um, when we parted waves with Steve, we were like, oh, yeah, sh- should we actually form like a, a little thing uh, so we can continue to make like this is that can- and start new projects and get that going? And so that's how Kelly and Kelly was formed. And that was, uh, we officially kind of tied the knot in 2015, I'd say, and have been producing content since. Congrats. By
1: the way, on your latest Rocky Award, which was for Hindsight, which is a historical series for Al Jazeera. Yeah. But you also have worked with a ton of other people: Anna Ferris Celeste Barber. More recently, Rain Wilson on his new fictional pod, Dark Air, with Terry Carnation. Yeah. Which a lot a lot of our listeners are uh, based in radio, and he portrays a radio host. How do most of these production partnerships come about?
0: I mean, it's so funny. It's like, I, I don't know, it's it's a little bit like if you have a, a hit in the space, that leads to one show and then that show leads to another. It's kind of just like trading up, I find. You know, they all have their own different stories, but I, I, I just believe, like, the work speaks for itself and then the work travels and it brings people in and, and through the door. Oddly enough, you know, one of our first podcasting shows that we we got asked to make called Dexter Guff is smarter than you and that was a show that we created uh, with Peter Oldring from this is that and that came out from a this is that video that we'd produced that some producers in New York saw loved. they were like oh could you do something in this space of thought leadership is there something funny that we could do there and and uh, that was a company called panoply which is no longer um, they turned into megaphone um, which is a podcast hosting platform but they were you know they were the people that that did all the slight podcasts and they were like yeah can we do something like that so it's like i don't know put I, i'm a strong believer in put good work out into the world and 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 people will find you and that and that's been proven to be true with our company this whole time
1: your work in podcasting dates back more than 15 years yeah take us back to the infancy of the medium and what your approach was back then versus how it's evolved.
0: (laughs) I wonder if it has evolved. I'd love to hear some (laughs) of that early stuff. No, it's funny. Um, So I am a trained actor. I went to Dalhousie in Nova Scotia for acting. And that kind of brought me, I was really into comedy. And in a circuitous way, it brought me to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And I had a sketch troupe over there in the UK for a long time. And it was actually over there because there's such a rich tradition of radio over there that got me into making my own stuff. We were doing funny little sketches in 2004 and a radio producer approached us and was like, hey, the, the route to making yourself famous in this country or making TV is to go through radio first. So, hey, could you maybe dream up some of your sketches as as radio shows, um, as audio, and, and we'll start there. And so that – I play music and stuff and knew my way around and microphones and editing software and all this sort of stuff. So I was kind of tasked in the group to record it, cut it, produce it essentially – And that didn't go anywhere, but it just taught me so much. And then when I came back from the UK, I started my own podcast called The Oddcast. And so this is still in 2005. And I was producing my own thing and and just doing what I wanted to do. And like podcasting was just new, 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 new. And there were two shows that I listened to. I listened to Ricky Gervais' podcast, which... It was an incredible at the time. I, th- I thought it was just so funny and, and, and cool. And then I listened to the CBC Radio 3 podcast, which was the first podcast produced by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And then I found out it was produced in Vancouver. And I was living in Victoria at the time. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. Like, I just like chased it down. I was like, this is the show I want to produce. And there's a long circuitous route of how I got there. But... Jumped forward to about six months later, and I was producing it with uh, Grand Lawrence, and uh, I was at the CBC from yeah 2006 until uh, we left in 2014. So how has it changed? I mean, my approach to it back then, I think there was it was borrowing a lot from radio. I think I don't know if there was like a vernacular for how to podcast or what podcasts were like very quickly in those early days, you started to learn there's like way more of an intimate medium and the sh- kind of shouty speaky type stuff that works on radio so well just wasn't working, wasn't translating, or at least maybe it was, maybe it's not that, but it's like you found, especially with the, the uptick from Radiolab and this American life, you learned that, oh yeah, it's a bit more natural to kind of speak lower and speak softer and, having a bit more of a a human, less polished approach, the medium of podcasting just embraces it. And so, you know, that just kind of bore out over, you know, to where we are today, you know, with the birth of rambling chat shows and with the birth of like super intimate single person documentary things. And like, it's just, yeah, it's only grown from there. And uh, yeah, that's, I tried to learn those lessons and take those cues along the way.
1: I think one of the things that most of your work has in common is that it usually involves a very rich audio landscape mm-hmm. creatively. What else is kind of in your secret sauce in terms of how most of your projects come together, or is there usually a pretty good roadmap set out in front of you?
0: Well, I would say that's my one, I would say that's my Achilles heel and that's where I over produce things. Like I overcomplicate them in some ways. Like I, I, I'm still waiting for the day where I can just like do a show that is just, you know, like a simple premise or a simple kind of just chat show or something like that. But I, I tend to over bells and whistles it. And that's could become a bit of our calling card, like because not everybody can do that. Not everybody has the the, the skills or the no, the knowledge of how to do it. You know, we do, uh, you mentioned Rain Wilson. So we produce a show for him right now called Dark Air with Terry Carnation. And this has kind of been in the works for like three years. We talked to him, yeah, three years ago. And the reason we talked to him was because he had grand ambitions for this show. Like he wanted it to feel like a sitcom, but he also wanted to feel like an old, like 80s radio show, a call-in show, and to kind of pull that off. Especially for you know, a reasonable price, um, you kind of had to come to a company who had done it a million times be- before and, and had the knowledge of it. And, and so he found us, us, because we're, we're one of the few people in the space who do comedy, do audio fiction, do any of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I, I mean, my approach is premium. Like I, I value highly produced, high-quality. Things I, I definitely pull more from TV and film than I than I sometimes do from podcasting and radio. Well,
1: you have a company ethos in
0: that you don't want to add to the noise, right? Yeah, that's just it. It's like we really especially coming from, you know, when I was at CBC, like, uh, you know, I was an editor of of blogs and i ran social media and i did all that stuff that you kind of tend to do if you're just kind of in the soup of media especially around the the peak of facebook i would say when when we were all on it around 2014 like just the feed and the the volume of stuff that was being put out there it just felt like so disposable and not interesting and i think for me if i'm going to put this amount of effort into a property I want it to be good like I want it to be worth everyone's time because I, I I personally I don't do anything in, in half measures and so it's like if I'm just busting my butt trying to do a show or something that just I don't believe in or I feel like isn't original or isn't adding to the conversation in a meaningful way then it's like It's tough to justify that amount of time. And that's not to say I haven't been there before. It's like I've learned that lesson over time.
1: Despite all of this award-winning international work that you've done, I feel like in some respects, Kelly and Kelly has sort of flown under the radar a bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is there something to be said for this boutique approach to running a creative studio like yours?
0: Well, I mean... (laughs) I think that we're flying under under the radar primarily because of where we're situated. I think Canada has a tough time. You know, we're not in the mix. Like, we're not in LA. We're not in in New York. uh, And we're not even Toronto, to be fair. Like, I think maybe a few things would have been knocked around. And our, our portfolio might be even larger if we were in one of those major centers. But on the flip side of that, it does allow us the bandwidth to look at projects and give them the care. I feel like if there was a really fast kind of scaling up of us, it would maybe show in the work or there would be some big mistakes or some carelessness around some things. And I I do feel like, yes, the boutique approach has its blessings and its curses. Like, I mean, I feel like Gimlet suffered from that in a big way. Like they felt boutique at the beginning and then just being injected with the steroids of of VC money and, and, and Spotify and stuff like that. It just really took that away quickly. And I feel that's a very cautionary tale. So, you know, I would l- I'd love, a f- you know, more uh, like I don't I don't want to r- remain boutique, I think is, is the big thing.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, what podcasts are you a fan of? Or are you taking inspiration from these days?
0: Oh, gosh. I mean, there's actually a lot right now. It's, I feel like in podcasting, and maybe this is a pandemic thing. I felt like we were in a drought for a bit, or, you know, publishing schedules were off. But here's the big thing I am a super listener. I am, I listen to so much podcasting. And as much as I'm, I was saying, oh, I, I, I take my creative inspiration from TV and film. I just, I love podcasts and I love making them and I just, I, I love listening to them. Uh, primarily, uh, right now, I'm listening to an amazing podcast from Turner Classic Movies called The Plot Thickens about director Peter Bogdanovich. It's so well-made. It is so, I'm like, and it came out last year, two years ago. And I'm like, how did I not hear of this before? It's really well-made. That um, There's an incredible podcast out right now from the BBC World Service called The Lazarus Heist fantastic reporting fantastic storytelling what a story it, it kind of looks into the the sony hack from 2014 uh, around the, that movie the interview and stuff and it talks about uh, north korea and hackers what else am i i love i love this show called how long gone which is a spotify anchor show um it's just these two guys in the states that I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a good chat show. I find that in my podcasting listening habits, in my podcasting diet, I always have like a handful of highly produced documentaries of premium podcast shows. And then I've got like what I call my wallpaper content that I can just put on and relax to. How long gone is just that's it's just chat. It's just really kind of Sometimes engaging, sometimes not engaging, chat with good guests. I mean, I'd also chalk up uh, Blank Check, which is an amazing film podcast, but it's also three hour episodes, just long chat, chat, chat. So those those are my top hits right now.
1: We've seen kind of epic growth and I think interest in podcast in terms of its potential. Do you have any predictions in terms of trends or where things are headed?
0: Well, and I've been thinking this the whole time, and this is maybe partially why I've hung on to podcasting for so long, but it truly is as valuable a medium as television, as TV. Like, I don't lump it in with blogs, and I don't really lump it in with social media. It is as rich of an entertainment avenue as those two other ones that we are highly addicted to. TV, obviously, the most that we just consume so much of. And I I feel like the same richness in storytelling can be there. Obviously, the ad dollars and just the monies behind it need to catch up. But they will, for sure. For sure. It will be the place to go to. And, you know, predictions, uh, I don't know. I think you will see, obviously, just podcasts. These kind of wallpaper type shows move into the car in a big way. I think that music shows are going to be really, st- you know, they're they're happening, they're coming. Uh, Spotify has rolled out that music plus talk thing. I think that's super interesting. I, I I'm super fascinated by it. I want to make a show that is like a classic, you know, disc type show. And you know, Spotify is going to roll out this car thing that's going to be in cars. Like, I think you're going to see podcasting really overtake the in-car listening that radio has dominated for so long soon it's like i think in the next two years two three years whatever uh, i think you're gonna see a lot more uh, fiction podcasts now the thing about fiction podcasts they don't have the rabid listenership they don't have the big numbers that the other shows do but there is just such a rich world of it and i think it's really really fun and we've experienced this with dark air with terry carnation the rain wilson show is the talent just loves doing it because it's I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's like less less management to deal with when it comes to like being camera ready or like 18 hour days on set. Like we, we've we got Sam Neill of Jurassic Park fame in this series. And it, yeah, we called him up. He's at his house. In uh, New Zealand, we recorded with him for like 45 minutes and he's across the series. You're like, or same, Susan Sarandon's in the show. And she like recorded her lines in a closet. That's amazing. And I'm waiting for some amazing kind of, like, who's going to be the Wes Anderson of podcast fiction? I don't know. (laughs) But it's going to happen. Like, there's going to be interest. I feel like audio fiction is like real hit and miss. And there's a lot of genre stuff. And there's a lot of, I don't know, broad things. I can't wait for like the, the nuanced kind of, you know, almost like criterion collection type stuff to come to podcast fiction. I'd like to make it. Like that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, I'm going to try and make it.
1: <laughs> well, the voices in in Terry Carnation are part of the drive. Listen to the first few episodes. Yeah. And I mean, it it you know, it's so well written. It's great at drawing you in, but also, you know, recognizing all of these voices throughout I think it comes across that everybody involved is enjoying what they're
0: doing oh yeah yeah you know we 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 had a blast making it there's a lot of improv as well and you know and and this thing we were planning on doing it and I still think that this is the fun way to make content in general we were planning on doing it together like we were planning on going down and everyone getting in the studio and doing that kind of thing it ended up being made over zoom because of COVID, you know. And, and that was a really fun approach. And I think that that has its benefits too. It's like, you know, yeah, Sam Neil was able to join and be in on a scene with a bunch of people. And it's like people were able to call in from their houses and just we'd send, the, send them a mic and they'd record at their houses and they'd all be on Zoom together and laughing and having a good time. So in that way, we were kind of almost able to capture the spirit of like a chat hangout type riff show but do it with a really strong script and 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 package it all together so yeah you know it's like I, th- I think that's gonna stay that's a that's a prediction for sure is that podcast is that one thing that happened this year where you know a lot of people realize you're like oh yeah we could we, we can do this from home or we can do this over zoom we don't have to be in the same room together and and i think that's gonna you're gonna see that production model stick around in a big way are there any other podcasts or
1: projects you have in the pipeline you want to talk about?
0: There's nothing that we I can talk about. I can say that we do. We have uh, a number of really exciting projects, projects that we've been wanting to announce for so long, and I wish I could. But I will say, like, obviously, we are really well known. For for podcasts, because we've been doing it for a long time and and we make these premium shows. But we also do have a TV show that should get plugged (laughs) just a little bit. You know, we have a a TV show on CBC Gem called The Slowest Show, which is an amazingly creative show that I can say because I didn't come up with the idea. Pat did. And it's creative comedic take on slow tv and if you don't know what slow tv is slow tv was founded in in scandinavia in norway specifically and it's just long ambient television these shots so famously it was like there's a train in norway that goes from the bottom of norway to the top and and the norwegian broadcasting corporation put a camera on the front of it and broadcast it for eight hours and the whole country tuned in like millions and millions of people tuned into it and that kind of born this format of slow tv and pat saw that and he was like hey what if we did like a a comedic version of it like what if we did a a slow tv but it actually has a story to it and there's little comedic moments of like physical comedy and stuff and so yeah and that that turned into the slowest show and and all six episodes of it are streaming on uh, cbc gem right now and we're looking to do more and bring it worldwide and stuff so yeah
1: i'll check it out
0: yeah yeah it's fun
1: is there a thought you want to close on, Chris?
0: I think that podcasting is obviously here to stay. And I think that Canada, we're in some talks right now that the government or the, these funding bodies, like your CMF and your Creative BC, I think once you're going to start seeing them enter the space and, and be offering tax credits and development funds and all that sort of stuff soon, I, I really do think that we are there. And with this boom in podcasting, and I think that's really going to help propel. Canadian creators to push forward, you know, and and because we've got some amazing creators here in Canada, we want to champion that and we want to help people get their ideas off the ground. And I think with the assistance of of uh, you know these creative funds that we have in this country, and we're so lucky to have them, so we can elevate ourselves and and have these shows made. I think that that's that's kind of what I want to end off on. Is like I really hope that that it happens and these funding bodies like come through and acknowledge podcasting is a format and a medium that's here to stay and it's just as important as film and TV and I think with the, the proper funding and the proper resources we can really hold our own against everybody in the world uh, like we do in, in film and TV.
1: Thanks so much for coming on Chris.
0: Thanks for having me Connie it's, it's great and I it would have been great to do this in per- person but you know hey this is, this is the new way of podcasting oh, remotely so it's all good.